0: Hey everybody, it's Chris Kloss and welcome to the Tinnitus Manifesto podcast. Today, it is the anatomy of hearing part one. We'll be learning about the outer ear, the ear canal, the middle ear, and learn about them in ways that make sense and is helpful to musicians. The large-scale goal of the Tinnitus Manifesto project is to save one billion cochlear hairs. And as the editor and co-host of this podcast, I would say the next couple of episodes are chock full of valuable information to help you save and protect your own hair cells, as well as just appreciate and respect the amazing mechanical processes of hearing. There's a new section at the end of the podcast called sound test, where we will be using sound editing to learn what different types of hearing loss and hearing issues sound like. And we're going to start with me. In other words, you will have the fortune or misfortune to hear with the same frequency loss that I have based on my most recent hearing test with Dr. Grome. So stick around till the end. For now, it's me and Dr. Rebecca talking about the anatomy of hearing. Enjoy anatomy of hearing in the physical in the physical ear itself, right? We're not getting we're gonna, you know, we'll we're gonna move into the brain because we always have to, we can't avoid it, right? But we're gonna try to just get the basics of how the physical ear receives sound and turns it into electricity. You have the three portion parts of the ear outer ear, middle ear, and inner ear, right? Correct. Right. Give a little bit about the outer ear. Give uh, your audiologist perspective of uh, the importance of the outer ear and what uh, anything interesting about it that jumps out at you.
1: Well, I think, you know, when we think about hearing, that's what we think of is the outer ear. That's the only visible part of hearing. And that's um, very important to say because hearing is invisible. It's, you know, you can't You can't see it. People can't walk around and be like, oh, yeah, he has hearing loss or she has hearing loss. So the outer ear is obviously what we think of when we think of hearing. Um, But it is like the least, (laughs) the least, most important part when it comes to how hearing actually works. Right. Um, So the outer ear, um, you know, from a musician standpoint, you know, we're thinking outer ear because that's where your inner monitor sits. Right. That is this portion right here, which is called the pinna okay. of the ear. Right. And essentially the basic mechanics of that are your pinna picks up sound, funnels it down into your ear canal. Right. And then hits your eardrum. So up until the eardrum, that is all of that external stuff is considered your outer ear.
0: Okay strictly speaking that the besides cosmetics (laughs) keeping us look balanced or they're there you can hang things off of them or whatever uh they hold things in them right um Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of collection of sound right and and my understanding is it actually the shape of the outer ear can also help us get vertical uh perception a little bit like if something sounds is above you or below you, oftentimes it's the shape of the outer ear that can help do that. And in fact, that certain people's ears, depending on the shape of your ears, you might be getting a different uh, receiving slightly differently than other people. Does that make sense? Correct.
1: Yes. So your outer ear or your pinna out here—that right. is what gives you directionality. So if sound is coming from behind you, your brain, you know, obviously is going to right. detect. Yeah, that you know, you get a little bit of a an omnidirectional um, microphone strategy just from, yeah. from your ears. Yeah, so when we talk about just anatomy outside of you know your eardrum, you have head shadow effect. So when a sound hits you on this side, the timing of when it is heard in this ear is all calculated up in the brain. But ultimately, right. your pinna is the one that is taking that information um, offset and funneling it down into your ear canal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot to say about the outer ear because um, a lot of people come in and they ask about wax. Um, right, you know, guess, Wax is right. a huge thing that we talk about in audiology. And mm-hmm. um, most people don't know that wax is created on the outer one third of the ear. And so when I look in someone's ear and they have wax all the way down at the eardrum or pushed in further than the outer one third, they, um, they have to be pushing it in. So (laughs) that's when I know someone's using like a Q-tip or something like that. I mean, musicians are a little bit different because you guys are constantly putting like hearing protection in or your in-ear monitors. So you might
0: be pushing stuff in there anyway.
1: Correct. Yes. But most of the time when someone um, comes into my office and they have wax in their ear, um, usually it builds up because it's been pushed back um, past the second bend. So the opening of the ear, you know, usually is more round in shape. But right. um, everyone has a little bit of different anatomy in there. So okay. sometimes we see kind of m- more of like a diamond shape or an oval. Oval, right. Mm-hmm. And then um, for any of those musicians out there who have ever gotten impressions, you know, if you read the impressions instructions for your provider, it says they want an impression past the second bend. Right. So same thing, anatomy-wise, everyone thinks that their ear canal just goes straight into their head. Right. Usually it's pointed a little bit forward and then it comes back or forward and up and so there's two bends in the ear canal that you can straighten out by pulling back on your ear
0: interesting um
1: but yeah so there is a little bit of curvature in there for most people um every once in a while i'll have someone that i call them a map truck ear you know you can just you can literally pull back on the ear and straight in there (laughs) yeah their eardrum um but yeah there's a little bit of shape going on in there and um it's interesting how that go ahead I'm
0: sorry, this leads me to a question about the shape of the ear then. Now, would uh based on a little bit of what we talked about last week, physics of sound, would the oval shape uh resonate differently than the round shape in that ear canal? It
1: does. With
0: the entrance. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which is better?
1: It's not better. Which would it's you prefer?
0: Just... I mean as a which on you know okay and I'm asking this is I know I'm totally going I'm going off topic here I might have to you know edit this out but uh you know I'm a yoga teacher I, I teach and study Iyengar yoga BKS Iyengar is known for his uh use of asanas poses as a way to to heal to help you know use more medical use of of poses and one of his discussions, he's, you know, he was he had a, a student come in who wanted to try to save their hearing. Mm. And he put them in poses. And one of the things he noticed when he first looked at the ear, he said it was an oval shape. And then he said, it like an egg, I think he described it. And he said, when he put them in a certain pose, he noticed that that circle got more round. And that <laughs> was a, a, a tip to him that he was heading in the right direction. And again, I'm just uh, like, this is me being my weird yoga music, uh, hearing. Cause I've spent a lot of damn time, uh, in yoga poses, trying to keep my hearing, you know, as, as healthy as it is. Does that sound nuts to you or does that make any sense or.
1: Um, it does sound a little nuts to me. Okay,
0: cool. No, um, I, I, now no.
1: with that being said, I think a lot of the positions for yoga are good for blood flow and, yeah. oh, um, yeah. opening up your, um, uh, your eustachian tubes and reducing swelling in this area, Yep. that really isn't going to show up in the ear canal.
0: Right, right. Yes.
1: Um, but that in general will help with overall hearing perception, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, starting maybe at the middle ear and back.
0: Yep. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I can, uh, there will be, uh, we'll do be doing an episode at some point in the future on on yoga and and I'm actually going to be putting together uh, and a video and an audio that will be for sale on the website. Just you know, you can listen to it and meditate to it essentially, or you know, you can follow the poses. But yes, that is uh, uh, we are going to go farther into that. And again, I did I strayed on on the yoga direction, but uh, that's a very good point. and And uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you agree with that. Cause we're going to be uh, going down that road quite a bit
1: yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the
0: future. Uh, okay. Well, so go ahead.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say outer ear wise, you know, we need to talk about like structure of the outer ear too. Cause again, a lot of, you know, the audience here is musicians. And yeah. so a lot of times um, they just really don't understand what's going on in their ear so Mm -hmm. same thing yesterday i had someone came in who wanted um their in-ear monitor wasn't fitting appropriately so knowing the anatomy of the ear and we can always kind of pull this up as a site too that way when you come in and say oh my ear is hurting or my in-ear monitor is rubbing or hurting (laughs) um knowing kind of where in the ear that is hurting is very helpful
0: for you, yeah. For for the audiologist to get a better idea, yeah. You're you know Correct. a musician having a little better understanding of the anatomy of their ear
1: mm-hmm. is a
0: very helpful thing, of course, in communicating with your audiologist.
1: Right. I mean, usually there's a sore spot or something going on in there that we can we can find pretty quickly. So
0: right, and you you sort of shave that off, you shim it down so it fits in better. You just kind of yep. Yeah,
1: cool. yeah. We just take a Dremel to it here in the office, right. and then I have right. a few different bits that I can smooth it down with and whatnot. So.
0: Yeah, very cool. Uh, I will say, uh, going back to your mentioning of of earwax, I think it is kind of funny because I'm sure there's so many people in so many different types of health medical businesses who know full well what their, what their you- patients are doing, whether their patients tell them they are or not, right? You go to a dentist <laughs> and you tell them, oh, I'm brushing my teeth every day. I'm, I never do. And they know. And the same thing with you. Because <laughs> oh no, I never use a Q-tip. You you know, right? You know. So you know, those in the audience who are trying to fool their uh, their audiologists into thinking that they don't put stuff in their ears when they do, you're probably not getting away with it, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Especially when there's like true like cotton fibers in there that's always yeah. the kicker it's like no, I'll use a Q tip and I'm like well, <laughs> well now you <laughs> with, can take pictures cotton in your ear <laughs> yeah
0: you can take pictures and show them now right you've got the the scope right you can take a shot of it now and they can see
1: yeah i do a video otoscope in the office so you know mm-hmm. if people see in real time yeah you know, kind helpful. of yeah absolutely that's a good thing so um, yeah keep, i mean be uh, honest <laughs> well it also i think it's important for people to see the before and after too i I, it's really surprising i think that the video otoscope is a blessing and a curse at the same time it's a blessing because they get to see oh yes there is wax in there and this is the anatomy and they get to see it clean afterwards but it's a curse because people just don't know what is normal and what's abnormal so i don't know chris you remember when i look in your ear there's all that hair there's Uh pores in there Uh, sometimes people have blackheads yep and then all of that clears up and then there's no hair and no pores and that's when your skull bone starts it's just a very thin layer of skin over you know the skull bone as it's heading
0: towards the middle ear space yep the eardrum the eardrum yeah so
1: You know, on the outside, where there's all this cartilage and fat, that's where the hair, that's where the wax, and that's where all of the pores are. And, you know, right. it, your ear naturally has kind of a caterpillar movement that um, will push things out of the ear. Uh, and so that's why a lot of times people are, like, oh, my ears itch so bad. Or I get that little creepy crawly feeling in there. Yeah. There could just be a piece of dead skin that your ear is literally trying to push.
0: Out. Wow, that's how that. that works. That's interesting. Okay, wow, and and because I've definitely felt that, right? That yeah. kind of crawly, itchy feeling in in the ear,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you want to scratch it out, or you want to put a Q-tip in there, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I guess, the opposite thing you should do, right? Is is
1: yeah, right?
0: Uh, okay, so back to the eardrum. So that's where the the outer ear officially ends. Side now, way. here I did a little uh, looking up, and I can confirm that the eardrum can perceive one molecule one hydrogen molecules movement displacement uh through through change in pressure that's correct pretty cool yeah um and just the idea that we hear that our brains can process something that is happening at 21,000 times per second
1: per second yeah It's
0: mind blowing in itself right yeah and this is where we're going to start heading into, like, the middle ear is sort of the beginning of this pretty remarkable mechanism that can make, can perceive that much and that well and that deeply. Uh, so, again, I'll let you as the audiologist give a very basic description of maybe the bones, the the three yeah. bones of the ear, and we can go yeah. from there.
1: Yeah, I tell everyone. So, you know, there's, there's three different category so there's outer ear we're looking at wax we're looking at can the sound get down into the ear and then middle ear is eardrum this is the mechanics so eardrum three little bones so sound hits the eardrum eardrum vibrates there's three little bones in there they transmit the sound down and then there is a membrane window that goes to the cochlea and the foot plate of the last bone of your middle ear the stapes pushes in and out of that membrane window and causes fluid disruption of the cochlea or the inner ear. Okay. So the middle ear space there's a few like really awesome things about the middle ear. Number 1. Everyone has a thousand questions about their eardrum.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean and I have learned so much again in my research and I had no idea how complicated it really could be. Of course, there's a lot more. There's more to it than just the eardrum. There's so much more, but just that it surprises me how much there is. Go ahead.
1: Correct. Yep. So there's three layers to the ear that make up the three layers of skin that make up the eardrum. And so, you know, if you have a history of ear infections or you have, um, you've had trauma to your eardrum, you've burst your eardrum. Nine times out of 10, it will heal itself back up with all three layers of skin. Okay. Now, sometimes it'll heal up and you'll you'll look in the ear and there will be a piece of scar tissue or something like that. Usually, it doesn't affect your hearing. On the opposite side, sometimes the eardrum will heal itself back up, but just one layer of skin will grow back. And um, Mm. it's kind of like a monomer. When you look at the eardrum, it'll look like there's a hole there, but really it's just a very fine thin layer of skin kind of like it's almost
0: invisible right
1: yes yes so depending on where the hole is or depending on how the layers of skin grew back you know a lot of times it really doesn't affect your hearing because as long as the eardrum is sitting in a normal like kind of pressure point the three little bones of your ear are still going to be transmitting the sound appropriately so if you if, if my hand is your your tympanic membrane and right. you have a little tiny hole down here, but if the middle ear bone is my middle finger, it's still going to transmit the sound appropriately. So, most of the time, when people have some sort of trauma to their ear, it just heals up naturally. Cool.
0: Cause I've done that. You know, I've, I've, that was a big thing for me. I blew, I blew a hole in my eardrum. Yep. Uh, and that was the first sort of hint of me getting a little nervous because <laughs> I only have one ear and that, you know, <laughs> shit, man. Uh, I got to save what I got. Yeah. um now you can actually see that first bone you can see the malleus bone right through that's correct the membrane of the, so like it's kind of interesting like if you go again I would I would I would recommend next time you're in the audiologist's office you can actually go and see they'll if they're using that scope you can see your own malleus the in the beginning of the middle years
1: yeah, that's your reference point and it sits kind of like um at at um 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. In the ear so think of the ear the eardrums typically a round circle usually it's darker in color um just because there's air behind there you know there's it's just three layers of skin um and then a a cave yeah so yeah, yeah so when we look in the ear you know the eardrums all lit up from our otoscope and it's either red or kind of bluish in there depending on what kind of light you're using and then the eardrum is dark but then there is a um up and down from the center of the eardrum, all the way up to about 12 o'clock, white line. And the top of that bone sometimes can be a little circle. And then the middle of that bone can sometimes be a little circle. So it just looks like um, that's just the end of the bones kind of sitting there on the eardrum.
0: Cool.
1: Now, the top bone usually is not connected um, to the eardrum, unless the eardrum is retracted back. So when you have negative pressure in your ear, or you have sinus pressure in your face, or anything like that, instead of your eardrum sitting the way it should, it kind of sucks back into your ear canal space, and it drapes over those those bones in your middle ear.
0: Is this what um, happens when you're on when you're on an airplane?
1: The um, change in yeah, pressure, uh, yeah. kind of, or so, is it
0: other way, or is that pushing the other direction?
1: Um, it depends. Usually, it's sucking back in. So if you're right. eustachian tubes cannot open and close to equalize that pressure in your middle ear space, usually it creates negative pressure and it sucks your eardrum into the, to the middle ear space. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of times when I see someone in who has reoccurring sinus infections or anything like that at the top of their eardrum, I'll see it kind of, there's like a little pocket in there. It'll drape back in there. And that's from that reoccurring negative pressure just starts to sit a little bit back in there.
0: Wow. Interesting. And does mm-hmm. that affect hearing? Is that what causes some it, of the problems with sinus? Like it when depends. You okay. Yeah,
1: it just really depends on the person. I would, you know, I can't, I can't really say so. Right. But we do a test in the office. It's called a um, tympanogram mm-hmm. and is a pressure test. And it tells me if your eardrum is moving within normal limits. So, you know, it kind of, it's a low level hum and it pushes pressure in and it pulls pressure out. Right. And it tells me, you know, how well your eardrum is is moving. Okay. And so if you have fluid behind your ear, obviously the eardrum is not going to move appropriately.
0: If you have right. a hole in your
1: ear, same thing. The volume is going to be a lot bigger, but your eardrum might move. It just depends on where the hole is.
0: Okay. Uh, and that also, uh, it's sort of the, the tension of the eardrum itself, tension. right? Of the tympanic, right. the, the tension of that can change depending on, various issues or injuries or that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Just life. Right. Yeah. Well, you have a very interesting story about your eardrum, right? Right. Because well, you pack ears all the time.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. We can get into that. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, one of my issues, you know, and I was told to do this. This is the thing too. I think maybe there was a different perspective on all of this, you know, back when I was a kid, they, they told me, you know, I should pop my ears out at least once a day, pop my left ear out. And I did, I would notice I would suddenly hear much better. Um, And I've done this for years only until fairly recently when I learned that it's actually not such a great idea Um, that you can, you end up putting too much pressure on the eardrum and, and it just, you're, you're stretching out the membrane. So it becomes more floppy, right? It's essentially less responsive in some ways. Uh, So people, uh, and again, advice to musicians, if you notice that you're popping your ears, one, you probably shouldn't do it. Two, go find out maybe why you're doing it, go go see your audiologist. Uh, and of course, popping your ears is something that happens sometimes, or sometimes again, you're on a plane. We can. What I've learned also is maybe just make sure your sinus cavities are clean. Like, you know, I mean, you know, blow your nose or get, you know, because you don't want to end up blowing, quite frankly, stuff from your sinus cavity into the middle ear, right? Yeah. Is that, uh, you know, I mean, and again, that can possibly cause ear infections, right? From sinus infection can move it into an ear infection because of that similar kind of thing.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, most um, most people who are constantly um, popping their ears or forcing their ears to pop, usually they have some underlying level of eustachian tube dysfunction. So okay. eustachian tube is the tube that connects the back of your throat to the middle ear space. And at the top of that tube is um, uh, your tensor tympani muscle. And so when your ears, quote unquote, pop, it's that tensor tympani muscle opening and closing. Now that is an automatic muscle, just like blinking. That is just in the back of your brain doing its own thing, opening and closing as needed as the pressure changes around you. Okay. Now, a lot of people can get their temper t- uh, tensor tympani muscle. I said temper. It's tensor tympani muscle. They can get that to open and close by yawning. So oh, if you right. yawn or you squint your eyes and you hear that rumble or that thunder, Mm-hmm. That is your tensor tympani muscle um, spasming. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the controlling feature of how much oh, pressure yeah, just, is in your ear.
0: Even yeah. opening your mouth, you can kind of feel that's yes. something opening up some space happening there.
1: Yes. And that stays closed because like I said, it goes to the back of your throat. And if right. you are eating or you have sinus drainage, that is, that's going back there. We don't want that bacteria exactly to back up into your middle ear space. Right. So there's a few patients who I talked to an ENT about because they were constantly clearing uh, or constantly plugging their nose and popping their ears and doing that kind of stuff, and it was really becoming an issue. Sometimes you can have a spasm of that muscle as well, and you get like a little fluttering in your ear. Oh, okay. Um, that technically kind of falls into the same category as tinnitus, um, misophonia. It's like a it causes some of those similar issues. Um, that muscle can be cut, an ENT can go in there and cut that muscle. But it is a last resort thing because you don't want that to stay open all the time. And it does increase your risk of ear infections. Uh, So ideally, if you're having reoccurring issues with eustachian tube dysfunction to the point where you're getting ear infections or you're popping your ears or that kind of stuff. Sometimes they'll even put pressure equalization tubes in the PE tubes that you get as a kid. Instead of cutting that muscle, they'll put some tubes in to see if that way they can get everything to air out or equal out okay the way it should mm-hmm. right
0: what else in the middle ear do you think we should cover you yeah. um one of the things i did is the the decibel increase the increase in pressure and the increase sort of from the sound from the the eardrum by the time it gets to the cochlea the the pressure has increased right the signal has gotten stronger
1: Correct. And it's not pressure at that point. It's actually, oh, sorry. Uh, Sign- it's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's just mechanical energy. So you're going from, you know, last time we were talking about sound moves quicker and solid,
0: um, okay.
1: more solid structures than through air. So air molecules, air is coming in through your ear canal. That's air molecule, air, air molecule hits your eardrum. Now it's, now it's a mechanical, Me- mechanical. sound. Mechanical. So cool. Yeah. So it turns into mechanical and then you get that nice, robust volume boost in there. Is it Um, because
0: of those three bones, the way they're connected and the way the muscle like it just sort of, you know, we've uh, if anyone I'm not going to. Spend the money to to make the the diagrams. You can get online and see. You know the the movement of the you know half the advertisements I see on Facebook anymore for me yeah. because I'm doing all this shit, right? All these things. <laughs> yeah, you're getting all I mean, Yes, yeah, and and it's <laughs> hilarious. You know, and I see the the bones moving, and of course, so is that the mechanical pressure though? It does. It's increasing the amp amp. It's it's a preamp essentially, right? It's giving. Right. Uh, that's the way a musician can think about it. Like the, the middle ear is a preamp to get the sound into the, uh, inner ear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, think of it as, uh, your, um, it's still analog energy at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Musicians like, (laughs) is it analog or digital?
0: At that point, it's analog.
1: It's analog. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't get digital until it hits your, your hearing nerve, which is in your inner ear. Um, one more thing I really like about the middle ear space. Um, uh, when I do your pressure test or your temps mm-hmm. to measure how well your eardrums moving back and forth, a lot of times um, I'm also doing reflex testing as well. And it's important for musicians to get some reflex measurements because those three bones are not held in place by tension they're held in place by two reflexes so there are two reflexes holding those three bones at the joint in place right and that is your ear's natural protectant against loud sounds so when a loud sound comes in vibrates the eardrum moves those three bones if the brain perceives that it's too loud of a sound it will contract those muscles and you will get a thir- you can get up to a 30 dB reduction in sound, just by having those reflexes contract. So it's your ear's natural protectant against the environment. You know, every every once in a while, you'll hear something and you'll you'll feel your ear kind of twitching. It's loud. and It's like, ooh,
0: yeah, you can feel that response. It's almost, it's a muscular response.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I typically do um, measurements on those muscles at 500, 1000, 2000, and 4000 hertz. You okay. can imagine a lot of musicians have damage around 4,000 hertz. That's where right. your noise-induced hearing loss is going to be. So I'll get a reflex measurement um, 5, 1, and 2, and then I won't get anything at 4 because mm-hmm. once your hearing loss is over about 50 dB, then you it's know gonna... if a sound of loud sound comes in and your brain's not hearing it until it's yeah. 50 dB anyway it's not enough to trigger. Yes. Yeah, so um that's another way to kind of see um you know if those are all working appropriately.
0: So That's yeah, so that's one of the tests that included in one of the tests you do is just to yeah. see how those muscles respond. Are you talking right. about the uh, like the the muscle and the are these like the those little the tensor tympani and the stapedius. Those is that it, or is there yes. something else? Yes,
1: stapedius muscle. Because
0: um. that's the smallest muscle in the body, if I'm not mistaken, too.
1: Oh, I've heard yeah. that
0: I, again. I've read these. I, you know, um, you know. I should probably know
1: that as an audiologist, Uh, you know, we go through school and then we, if we don't talk about it, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you
0: know, it's my, it's uh, (laughs) the, the, the unimportant stuff sticks in my brain (laughs) doesn't
1: really matter. uh,
0: You know, how small it is. What matters is what it does, which you can explain. I can't. So, Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because the three bones of your middle ear are definitely the smallest in your body. Right. It's the malleus, incus, stapes. Yep. Um, what is it what's the layman's terms it's yeah, the the, the stirrup
0: and the hammer and the anvil. hammer
1: anvil and stirrup stir right right yeah so nine times out of ten if there's anything wrong with any of those bones it's going to be the stirrup um sometimes it gets it gets like calcified and then it doesn't move in and out of that face plate appropriately or if you have like head trauma what will happen is the stapes will shift off of that face plate and therefore oh. it doesn't transmit that mechanical sound appropriately
0: can is that something that can be surgically fixed? Yeah. Or... Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's the
1: most common like middle ear surgery oh, that right. we find. And, and you know, one thing that we is it's not overly common, but a lot of people have otos, ot, bleh, otosclerosis, and it is a calcification or a hardening of the stapes bone. Um, and usually that's what they'll go in. They'll go in, they'll take that bone out, clean up all the calcium buildup, and then they'll put a prosthesis stapes in
0: wow wow yeah uh that's amazing and again the stapes is the last bone before we get to the inner ear right it is the thing that starts speaking to the cochlea itself so are we ready to move on to the cochlea you fell if you know uh we we got a lot to go you know there's uh for one of the things that amazes me it's only about the size of a pea correct that's a you know that that in itself blows my mind. Like I always imagine it being some big giant thing in in the side of my head. <laughs> like a big you know they call it the the bony labyrinth, right, of the cochlea. Yeah. And of course there's the balance, there's the vestibular stuff. We'll try to Sound, Sound test. test. Sound test. Sound test. Sound test. Sound test. So this is sound test where we use audio editing to give the average listener some understanding of the different types of hearing loss and hearing issues. We've already recorded a bunch of episodes of the podcast, and I realize that I've been avoiding detailed talk about my own hearing issues as someone with terrible hearing and who also happens to be a musician songwriter. I figure the best way to do this is to just rip off the proverbial band-aid and start by giving you a chance to get into my head and hear the way I hear when I'm not wearing my hearing aid. Ready? Here it is. I have a non functioning right ear and severe hearing loss in my left, and through audio editing, I can EQ the sounds you're hearing to match the results of my most recent hearing test with Dr. Grome. Did you get that? Here it is again. I have a non functioning right ear and severe hearing loss in my left, and through audio editing, I can EQ the sounds you're hearing to match the results of my most recent hearing test with Dr. Grome. Here's more talking, just in general.
1: <laughs> Especially when there's like true, like cotton fibers in there. That's always yeah. the kicker. It's Uh-oh, like, there, there no, I use a Q tip, and I'm like, well, <laughs> you with, can take pictures, cotton in your ear. <laughs> Yeah,
0: you can take pictures and show them now, right? You've got the. And this is how water running in my kitchen sink sounds. And this is how it sounds when I'm walking my dog through the neighborhood. This is how it sounds when I play my piano. And this is all when I'm not wearing my hearing aid, so yeah, pretty bad. And even I can't deny the invaluable benefit that modern hearing technology provides. In fact, I'm continually amazed at the things today's hearing aids and devices can do. And obviously, I couldn't live without them. So that's not the only issue I have. In Anatomy of Hearing Part 2, I'm going to edit to let you hear my intonation issues. So stick around for that fun. That's it for this episode. Just for the heck of it, I'm going to flip the EQs back and forth on the outro music just to drive you crazy. Don't burn those cochlear hairs, y'all. Take care.